Is it that corner? <laughs> We're discussing the merits of shook corners. I because think, on all things terror, we always talk about poop. We have to. Yeah. I think it's um. I think it's it's part of the ritual. Yeah. I mean, we started early. We talked about shit gold. Shit gold. Yes. Yeah. If you if you drink or consume something that has gold in it, your body really can't absorb it. So eventually, you'll shit it out, and then it'll end up in someone else's consumable mm-hmm. product, including stuff that they wear. Yeah. Which so, is fair. Yep. We we drank someone's gold i call that sustainable yes this podcast brought to you by goldfield mimosas <laughs> so i was gonna shit tell you gold shirts shit gold shirts oh god that's a good idea <laughs> adding that to my million dollar idea list mm-hmm. you're welcome so quantum suicide is oh, yeah i was mentioned that earlier so because we were talking about dna tests and and then also uh this like idea of like fertility testing and like um you know how things adjust according to information you provide well the idea of quantum suicide is is like if you kill yourself in this universe you actually continue living because there is another you in alternate world and they have the same conscious as you so so technically it would still Mm. be you just in a different iteration of reality i've been watching a lot of the twilight zone the new reboot Mm. and i i feel like this is i feel like this is real i've been i haven't watched too much of the twilight zone but i did start watching a little bit of black mirror and i feel like that's within that zone i desperately want to talk about black mirror um the white bear episode particularly but like i've been holding back on this I haven't watched it yet. Is this White Bear in the last season? Or last, like, two seasons? It is. So. Okay, then I may have not seen it. Well, when you guys get all caught up, let me know, because I've been waiting to just, like, go crazy the on one this episode. That, I, one of the last episodes that I watched is the one where they paid to have access to all of their previous memories. Oh, and yeah. They're, the, they're, they're sitting at the dining room table, and one of them talks about how she doesn't <clears throat> have... Like, she, she doesn't involve herself in that, and they're looking at her like, is there something wrong with you? Like, why, like, we're all doing it. Why wouldn't you? Well, you know, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? Which I was like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to replay, like, this, I don't, I don't even know if it was sadness, but it was, like, the patheticness that a lot of the characters had, because they kept replaying there was the one guy at the beginning of the episode, Whitney, since you haven't seen any of this, um, he's in the middle of an interview, um, and it seemed like a very important interview, and as he's taking his ride back to wherever the hell he lives, he keeps replaying the interview in his mind, and the responses, and like the subtle little reactions that they have to some of his answers, mm-hmm. and how they respond in the end to whether or not like they'll be hearing back from him and stuff like that it's a natural and thing it's to just, do well and the thing is is like you're already obsessing over it with your normal memory but it like takes it up a thousand notches yeah that's that's a point um to consider is like it's not because anything that you experience you ex- experience through your own subjective like lens so if you have access to an objective memory like, just a video recording. Mm-hmm. Like, you 
you're already you're probably already kicking your ass over your subjective memory. What's going to happen when you look at that objectively over and over well, and, and, and the over. thing was, he felt really good about the interview coming right out of it. That was his perception of how well the interview went and his responses. And then as he was playing it over and over again, he was actually paying attention to each of their responses and what the, like the words that they were actually saying rather than how he felt he did during the interview. So as time went on, he started realizing it did not go as well as he thought. Um, but the the way that the episode ended up playing out was that he realized that his wife was cheating on him with someone else. So is Black Mirror all like standalone yeah. stories, kind of like Twilight Zone? Yeah, they don't really bleed into, like, the storylines don't really bleed into each other. I think some of them do. Some of them have kind of a reference to one another, but they don't, um, the story doesn't, like, move on from one episode to the other. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not a lateral story or a chronological story, but you can say that Black Mirror has stories that mirror each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Ding! (laughs) Well, that being said, this is All Things Terror, and this is an interlude episode. My name is Jennifer. My name is Steph, sorry. (laughs) And I'm Whitney. And I think Steph has a story that she's going to tell us today. I do have a story. So I was actually stressing about this just a little bit, not, you know, like stressing and shitting bullets or something, but... Um, basically I was thinking back to what kind of story I wanted to share with you guys and nothing major has happened in my lifetime to say this is the story that I want to tell. So I had to go on and research what I wanted to share on All Things Terror and I came to my options. I was like, well, do I want to go horror? Do I want to go true crime? Mm -hmm. What is going to stick with me? Because none of what I was looking up had a personal connection me so what I decided to do was base it off of my hometown which is Houston Texas and the story that I selected for this is true crime so in the history of Houston Texas one of the more gruesome stories that they have to tell is of the Candyman, aka the Pied Piper aka Dean Cornell but not the movie not the movie no we're all how many I know there's at least three. A thousand candy Candymans? Yeah. Not John yeah. Candy. No. <laughs> Not John Candy. Um, which, funny enough, he ended up getting the name of the Candyman because of two things. His family owned a candy-type factory out of Houston, Texas, and he also used to lure small boys with candy. Uh... Yes. So he is a serial killer. Um, who lived out of Houston, Texas and hunted out of Houston, Texas throughout the 70s for a couple of years, though he managed to kill almost 30 young boys. Through candy. Through candy. I mean, because it's the 70s, and naturally, like, that is the time where you're like, hey, I have candy in my van, and everybody's like, oh, okay, that sounds good. I knew this guy in college whose family owned a chocolate company, like, they made chocolate, and it makes so much sense now. Yeah, don't trust them. I, I, I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've just ruined chocolate for everybody. Oh, no. There's just no way. <laughs> no matter how many serial killers in the world lure people with chocolate, I will still eat it. <laughs> and 
potentially be lured. Um, but so this, this guy named Dean, I think, probably, uh, someone may need to fact check me <laughs> on this, but basically, um, he, he started doing it all by himself, he was a product of multiple divorces in his parents. Funnily enough, I found out that his parents divorced when he was small, then they ended up getting remarried and then divorced all over again, after which time they moved to Pasadena, Texas, um, coming from Indiana, and... Their love me, love me not family. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a... I'm like, mm, after you get divorced, do you really want to go through all that trouble again? Like, are you really sure? But... Um, and then his mom remarried and then divorced for a third time. Not to his dad. Not to his dad. Now a third time to a stranger, probably. Um. She just picked up a random guy and was like, hey, you want to get married? And he's like, fuck yeah, I don't have anything else better to do. Smash his beer can on head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if somebody told me that they owned a chocolate or candy factory, that's all it would sign take. I'd, I would be done. Yeah. I'm married right now. Yeah. What, what do I sign? <laughs> Here's my life. <laughs> How much candy do I get paid? Per year. <laughs> per day. Per day. Let me ask That's you. That's my candy salary. Yes. Can we have a candy prenuptial? Like, oh. there's a certain percentage of candy I'm guaranteed no matter what the circumstances. I would agree Just to saying. This. And the brilliant thing about said stranger that she picked up off the side of the street is that candy has no shelf life. So... Mm. You know, he if he's smart about it, he could live off that candy forever. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be. I'd eat it all in a day. I feel like all of my closets would be full of candy if I married into a candy family. Mm-hmm. In drawers. Yeah. In everything. In books. Your like, book, I would finish reading it. I would hollow it out and then I would hide my candy in there. You'd be packing up, be like, this relationship isn't really working out, and you have, like, hundreds of books, and be like, but this candy is totally going to work out. (laughs) I think I've gotten enough. (laughs) When I look at my wall of book candy. (laughs) Um, But, okay, what happened? He, yeah, he got some accomplices. He was on his own for a long period of time. He managed to somehow get two kids to join him and hunt children down for him and bring them to his home by paying them $200 per child. Um, okay, so as we've learned, it's not hard to convince children to do bad things if you listen to the Lycan story because they're children. And there are all kinds of incentives, right? There's the please love me incentive. There's the I want to fit in with the crowd the incentive. Mm-hmm. There's apparently give me $200 so I can buy more candy incentive. But also, like, I feel like he could have gotten children for a lot less. Like, like considering experience? Considering his accomplices, like, these are kids. Like, he was just trying to do He fair probably pay. could have gotten off with paying them 50 bucks. But is that a livable wage, Steph? They're children. So yes. they have parents paying bills for them. Probably, I don't you, know. The, you, this is the seventies, after all. These kids could have, you know, divorced their parents and decided that this is what they wanted to do as their new way of living. I saw that in a movie called North once <laughs> with Elijah Wood. Ooh, starring Elijah Wood or starring Elijah Wood's big blue eyes. I mean, mainly his big blue eyes. <laughs> so Frodo was hunting children? 
<laughs> he was the child. Oh, Frodo is being hunted again. You could look at it that way, but I think it would be a much darker reading than the actual movie, which is just that <laughs> he travels around the world because his parents aren't treating him well, so he travels around the world to try to find new parents, and the judge has told him he has to find a new set of parents by this certain day, but of course at the end he realizes, spoiler alert, his parents are the best. So he has to like race to try to get back to them. What happens if he doesn't find new parents in time? I I think he's just he dies. <laughs> oh, whoa! If you don't find parents, <laughs> you die. <laughs> he just dies. I don't know. Um, he's like, well, you know, I've I've traveled the world. I'm learned a lot. Like my my first instinct would be like, well, it's probably not too bad to die young. Yeah. Like, you die in your prime yeah. and you haven't done anything too shitty for people to resent you, you too much. You haven't disappointed, yep. you know, a shit ton of people yet. Well, and he has a lot of um, really great sets of parents, including um, Reba McIntyre and Dan Aykroyd are the Texas parents. Okay. And they give him, like, the they give him, a, like, a football team. Wait, and Elijah ranch. Wood is supposed to be from Texas? No, he's, like, going to these different places. and mm. So, of course, you know, they're all characters. Yeah, he gets to go visit with them, and so he sees what Texans live like, and it's really um, something. And then he sees, uh, where else does he go? He goes to Paris at one point. Um, he has, like, an Amish family, I think, but mm-hmm. he he doesn't stay with them. He gets back on the plane. I wouldn't know um, I think, oh, Kathy Bates is, like, a, um, she's an Eskimo in Alaska. That's a good option. Yeah, but then he gets close to the grandfather, and they have to send him out to sea, because I guess that's You got something. too close? <laughs> Why do you try to make this dark? I don't know, because we're talking about terror. Steph is like, this is not in the vein of what I'm working on here. You're lightening the mood. Okay. He gets too close to the grandfather. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> I'm anyway. expecting some kind of horror to come out of this movie, but it's not coming. It's a kids, it's a kids movie. Hot so. damn. But we'll, I'll, I'll show it to you sometime. I think you'll like it. And then you'll suspect everyone's going to murder or kidnap him. That's what I expect of every movie, but, don't you? I mean, I'm pretty sure that my neighbors are trying to kill me, but... The ones always. with the kids? No, the, um, the ones over here. Oh, I heard a sound in their... Um, garage when we pulled up the neighbors with the kids and I thought for sure the children crying being tortured I no I thought it was like I thought it I thought it was like a jaguar trying to eat us (laughs) (laughs) that's probably their dog (laughs) whoa it was a baby crying but that shows how much I I appreciate babies that's how ready we are to have children (laughs) (laughs) anyway speaking of children right yeah tell us more about Dean and his uh unruly gang of $200 per child children. <laughs> well, funny enough for him, he wasn't paying them enough because they ended up turning him in. Well, there you go. $200 is not enough to bribe someone for their silence. No, not even in the 70s. Is that including candy that he also gave them, or was he paying them $200 in candy? The candy was only for the children that he was then going to rape and kill. Okay, see, that's where he fucked up. Yeah. You should have just gave them candy and the money. These were kids after all. It's what true. It, what was he expecting? <laughs> <laughs> that they know how to hold up bank accounts and keep track of all this money? Uh, no. Still, though, I, I want to um, kind of jump back to something that you said, which was that 
he was successful in, you said, murdering approximately 30 kids? Yeah, it said 28 plus is all they could find, but they, they're... The police's best guess is that he murdered a lot more than that. They just couldn't locate the bodies. I'm really shocked that, like, when we talk about the um, kind of Hall of Fame of serial killers, Mm -hmm. you hear about a lot of others that, you know, also had some involvement with children. Um, Like the Atlanta Monster, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, You hear, obviously, John Wayne Gacy... um, did he actually kill kids, or he was just, like, a creepy clown at kids' birthday parties? Oh, he killed people. He killed lots of people, but he... Did he kill children? Do we know that offhand? So, this is where that gets complicated. It's like, well, how do you define a child? Because he did kill some young people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I'm just thinking, like, there are a lot more kind of well-known serial killers. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of the Candyman. Yeah. So why do you think this is not more of a pop cultural phenomenon? I just don't think that he made it into, like, mainstream media, especially given that it was in the 70s. And from the sounds of it, it he had a span of about three years. And... 30 kids in three years? Oh, yeah. Prolific. That's insane. Yeah, it was 1970 to 73 with his two accomplices, but then he didn't get, um, and I, I'm, I may be getting my dates wrong, but um, he didn't get caught until a much later uh, period of time. He died when he was 33, and all this happened when he was really, really young. So he operated for about three years, and then there was a period of time where he was just kind of dormant, doing nothing, mm-hmm. and then he... He died before the investigation or after? He died after because he was he was indicted and everything. He was um his accomplices, those two kids, probably not kids when they decided to confess, um, but gave him up, and then they helped track down some of the bodies and stuff. Well, um, so there I have two thoughts about this and and two things that I have talked about previously in the podcast, which is like one. There is a problem in America, like, glorifying or Mm -hmm. elevating serial killers. But the nice thing, a little bit, still, about the United States is that people have strong feelings about stuff happening to children. Mm -hmm. And um, even when you're dealing with high-profile cases where um, a child has been raped or abused, that stuff typically stays out of the public eye because it's not something that you want to sensationalize in media. Yep. Um, And I have uh, seen courts actively suppress major television or public attention towards those types of cases. And two, I think you have to complicate this factor with, it sounds like, Dean himself and his accomplices were young. And it's hard to... I think sometimes it's hard to accept that young people that still might be children do shitty, bad things to other people and be able to separate that from their adult selves. I mean, look at, again, I bring up the Likens case a thousand times, but these were children abusing a child. But as much as I hate them for that, I also realize that I can't entirely admonish them because they're children doing bad things things and that gets a little more complicated what i thought was weird even about the story you know apart from the fact 
that he murdered all these children is one of the accomplices started off as a victim himself. He started off with one accomplice that he had found. He, you know, had this regular process of paying him to bring him kids to kill. And they were kind of a part of the murdering process. Um, and then he brought him this second kid. I think his name is Martin. And Martin ended up being someone that as they were planning out how to murder him, they realized that he may be a good accomplice in himself. So how do you turn from being a victim to say, yeah, I want to join you? Well, you're still a victim. Mm. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, we see, um, you know, we, we see the phenomenon where people are kidnapped and they feel like their best chance of survival is um, kind of identifying, right, Stockholm Syndrome. And um, they're able to kind of talk themselves up, I guess, or, yeah. you know, can be very convincing that they're aligned with the with the abuser. Talk themselves into saying, he'll never do this to me as long as I keep bringing him children. But at the same time, now they're, he's turned into being compensated from bringing more victims to this guy and even now participating in the actual killing. And again, weirdly so, this guy they found was even more brutal than this Dean person and the first accomplice. They started getting a little freaked out by the fact that of, of how he was participating in the gruesomeness that he was... Go- I mean, they were already raping and murdering children, but he was kind of taking it up into a, a, a weird place. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't speak to that person's mental situation, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you're already potentially a sociopath... And you're put in a situation where you're forced to survive or die. It sounds yeah. like that could maybe. I think it more it... fed into his his own personal, you know, possible fantasies or even fantasies that he didn't even know he had yet. Yeah, I mean, I I have known uh, people who are sociopaths, and they're obviously so sociopaths. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are violent, but mm-hmm. I think that when you're put into a situation like that where it's important for survival that you do things that are obviously um, morally questionable or morally wrong, um, it's easier, I think, if somebody is sociopathic to kind of buy into that. But then also, if if he is concerned about convincing them that he is aligned with them, then of course he's gonna go about the extreme. Yeah. yeah, the extreme. Like that's like there's no like. Well, he seems to like be towing the line. It's like no, that dude is like fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> showing. I'm full committed, yo. <laughs> I'm part of this. Do you guys think if you were kidnapped that you would um, try to align with the person who kidnapped you? I, mean, I don't know that I would align to. The place that this child ended up going to, I think I would more align with, look, y'all are three dudes, You're, y'all are kidding, killing kids, uh, I can clean the kitchen, I can do your laundry, <laughs> <laughs> I can be in the background, you don't have to kill me, <laughs> I, can, I can buy your groceries. <laughs> I mean, you guys gotta get hungry, right? Yeah, like someone has to feed you. And then when they least suspect it, just go in and 
shoot them in the head. Yeah, as soon as they start trusting me, I'll, you know, put poison in their food or something. Yeah, that's a good tactic. Do you know the approximate, like, ages of the children that he was was collecting? It was 13 to 20. So, a pretty vulnerable group of kids that he targeted. Yes. Pretty vulnerable group of kids that he targeted. I have not yet figured out what type of candy was used, Whitney. I, I do apologize. My research did not dive deep enough into figuring what out if it, it was sour candy, if it was gummies. Fruity candy versus chocolate candy is really important to do me. Do you guys so. yeah. remember, like, I really hope that you remember these. I feel like you will know these. Oh, Okay. But, like, that shitty, like, peanut butter, buttery flavored candies that were, like, in either orange or black wrappers uh-huh. that were, like, saltwater taffy. Yeah, they were mainly around at Halloween. And you can still get them. They're still out there. They're terrible. Do they have a name? I don't know. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't know what they're called. I, I have a very uh, sad, not-so-sad childhood of not going trick-or-treating. Which is sad for me because I did not get to partake. But is it sad in comparison to all of the other things, especially the topic that we're talking about today, which is children being murdered? Uh, no. <laughs> I guess still alive. Perspective. <laughs> Hashtag perspective. Um, I am sad for you, though, because I I do remember mm. the thrill of, of going around. And, of course, I started trick-or-treating in the 80s and early 90s as I'm sure did you, Jennifer. And um, there was, like, the whole rumor going around that there were razor blades Mm -hmm. and candy. And um, I'm just thinking about, like, I was a very anxious child, and I'm still a very anxious adult, but I remember... I thought you were going to say I'm still a very anxious child. (laughs) I'm still a very anxious (laughs) child. That's not untrue. Uh, I remember, like going to eat my Halloween candy and being like, am I going to bite into a razor blade? Mm. Um, but I, I also like remember the thrill of getting really good candy versus getting really shitty candy. And I always had a soft spot for those candies that you're talking about, Jen, because my, my grandmother loved them for some reason. So they'd buy... they were soft enough for her to eat? I mean, they were... <laughs> <laughs> well, it... <laughs> Hashtag sick burn on grandma. Jeez. I don't love my grandmother. Steph is bringing out the claws. I apologize. She wore like dentures and I'm thinking about how that couldn't have been comfortable to chew. Because it's a very sticky candy. Oh man, so it's the opposite. She liked it for the challenge. She she loved a good challenge. That was was my grandma. I always get excited about pixie sticks. Like whenever I got pixie sticks in mine. But... You know, I do, so you bring up the razor scare, which I do have, like, a whole story about that. Different day, not right now, because we are focused on the candy man. Right, candy killer man. Can, candy killer children. man. Mm-hmm. But, um, my parents did separate the candy, but I learned that parents separating the candy meant that they were taking their the share candy, of yeah. the candy. Not all the good candy. Okay. Did their share of it mm-hmm. and it was like oh this candy's bad you can't eat it and then gave us the rest but it didn't take me too long to catch on to that but i do realize that if i if i were doing. ever to be a parent that would be the type of plot 
to I would be have. fair, I do that with my godkids. Like, we still go trick-or-treating with them. And then I'm like, I worked really fucking hard for this candy. So <laughs> You walked around just as much as they did and their children, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, you had to deal with their shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was a teacher, I will say this. The worst day, the very worst day, was the day after Halloween. That is legitimately a teacher's worst you. nightmare. Worse than the day after Christmas that they come back to school. Because they're hyped up on sugar. Well, they don't come back the day right after Christmas right. commonly, right? They still have a They've Christmas had, break. Yeah, they have a little bit of time to kind of come off of that high. After the, There after should be a day Halloween, off after Halloween, is yeah, what you're saying. Absolutely there should be. Because mm-hmm. they still think, oh, I had this fun day. I'm going to get dressed up in my costume. I'm going to go get more candy. I can take on the world. Down with teachers, down with parents, and they have an <laughs> uprising, and then you die. That's See, what okay. being a teacher is like. Okay, so if I were ever president, then I would move Halloween to be the last Friday mm-hmm. of October. Sure. In that way, children would have the weekend to recover. Yeah, and then you just have, well, maybe even the whole week after that. Yes. If there are extra days in October, you just get... Till the 31st to recoup. Excellent. Um, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about Candyman. Yes. Do I have more to say about <laughs> Candyman? Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is I, I'm trying to think of, you know, all the things that I've learned out of Criminal Minds. I don't know that I should be learning anything from Criminal Minds or <laughs> any other. tale. Any other criminally based stories that I watch other on than Doctor Spencer Reed is a handsome man. He is a very handsome man, um, and also a very sweaty man is what we learned. Yes, recently. he is very. Sweaty. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I I'm glad they take that. I only minded like two percent that all his sweat was on, and me. that he dreams of you as a genie. Whoa, I'm fine with that. <laughs> he can dream of me and whatever. <laughs> oh, all right. Ow. <laughs> Welcome to All Things Sexual. My name is Jennifer. Um, yeah, so Spencer Reed, uh, Criminal Minds. Yes. Um, I was trying to figure out what, and I mean, maybe it's foolhardy to try and do this, but figure out what part of his childhood led him to be the type of killer that he was. And seeing, seeing his parents splitting up and then getting back together and then splitting up all over again and then having this third person be a part of it. What you see very commonly is that they go after certain, in some cases, certain types of people that remind him of some, of someone right. who has wronged them in some kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. Like a serial killer going after a young woman that remind him of his mom bringing home men and prostituting herself and making him watch kind of story. Um, I think in this case, it was a little different. He did turn out to be homosexual, which he learned in his later years. He joined the army. He got dishonorably discharged from the army for a reason that I can't remember. Um, and he just ended up being someone who liked to torture and murder um, small young boys. I think that when you know when you when you think about somebody who is that psychologically ill and um, they have, a sexual perversion that is, um, in this case, very illegal for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, it, it might have to do less with him be like how he grew up and just you know what his compulsions mm-hmm. were. Yeah, and I think um, 
since we're empathizing here, I mean, he was a homosexual man in the 70s. In Texas? In Texas, <laughs> which, if you're gay in the South and you're gay in Texas, which is not the South, sorry, Texas, calling you out on that bullshit. Hey, I I agree <laughs> with you, and I've grown up in Texas my whole life. Um, If you're gay in Texas, if you're gay in the South... It is a whole different kind of problem than if you're gay anywhere else in the United States. And add that to the fact that it sounds like he probably had a bit of an infantile mentality. His compulsion may not have necessarily been perverse if he still saw himself as being a child himself. It definitely didn't seem like it. I I know that in reading back into his childhood, it talked about him... Even though he was disconnected from a lot of folks, he just didn't socialize really well. But they also mentioned the fact that he didn't have trouble empathizing with other kids and trying to take care of them. Like, he had brothers. Um, I don't know if he had any sisters, but he had siblings in general. And he didn't have a problem feeling bad for someone when they were hurt. In fact, he had some girlfriends leading up to joining the army. Um, and then, as you can imagine, now being a homosexual in the army, and that's when you realize it. And that's not really the reason why he got kicked out, but he got kicked out. And then losing that part of himself, having so many years in the army and then coming back to his home here in Texas and his sexual fantasies just kind of playing out the way they did. It sounds a little bit, and I'm going to bring up maybe an unpopular topic here, but it sounds a little bit about what we've heard coming out of the um, Leaving Neverland. Is that Mm. the... Um, documentary, um, where I don't think that, you know, that people saw Michael Jackson as being somebody who was, somebody who presented as a predator. A typical predator. And it's really important that we acknowledge that there are what they call, like, nice guy predators um, out there, and um, they seem like they're otherwise nice people. They can, they seem like they can empathize and... I want to kind of reiterate that doesn't mean that these people don't have psychopathy. I'm not a psychologist, obviously, but we know that people can have psychopathy and still kind of mimic what they see yeah. in the world. Well, and just as easily as good people can do bad things. Mm-hmm. like Bad people can do good things. Bad yeah. people can do good things. Like human beings, regardless of how you feel about them, are messy and have lots of dimensions. And what, how you interpret those are entirely subjective. How those are interpreted in court of law, a little bit different. So. Yep. So in the end, his accomplices ended up turning on him. He was caught and died at the age of 33 and is no longer out there hunting children. Can I ask? He died at my age. Mine too. Can I ask how he died? Was he in jail? I think he killed himself. Yeah. He sounds like he was tormented as a person. Mm-hmm. And he did some really fucked up things. But it does sound like he was pretty good at uh, hiding his peoples, though. He hid them all over Houston. Um, and Houston's big. Some, he, he, his hunting ground and, and the area where the children would be brought to him was near downtown Houston and Houston Heights, um, which is a not very rich you know, community at the time. Um, But he, when he was caught, they ended up finding a lot of bodies in his backyard. But also, 
a good like seven or nine bodies in a shed that he used to rent as well as some in local beaches and stuff like that so he kind of spread them out you know it sounded like he knew what he was doing he moved his um bearing locations around the city of houston that's fascinating to me too because i mean he was geographically located like he stuck to houston he didn't go outside of houston but the fact that he moved them around a lot of people a lot of offenders will kind of from what we see they'll return to the same places Mm. well it's interesting too because 70s and 80s uh Houston actually started to prop up pretty well and they were developing, so a lot of bodies may have just been lost to development in general. That's why they labeled him as 28 plus, because 28 were just the bodies that they were able to locate at the time with knowing that there were more victims that they just hadn't been able to find their bodies. So, what did we learn today? Mm, Buy your own damn candy. Buy your own damn candy. $200 $200 in candy is not enough <laughs> no. to convince somebody to uh, keep your secret of murdering oh. I mean, someone. plan for inflation if you're paying people to bring bodies to you to torture and murder. You can't just say 200 for as long as you keep helping me. Like, what if you need help over a 10-year span? Mm-hmm. You need a raise during that time. Yeah. I mean, what kind of employer are you otherwise? You need a 401k. Yeah. Are you offering them health insurance? Like, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I, I'm going to stand by the uh, candy prenuptial needs to be a thing. Yes, that's required. Yep. If I get married, this will be part of my prenuptial agreement. Is that yep. what it's called? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. So that, that's going to basically be like, my money is my money to this degree. Your money is your money to this degree. My candy is my candy to this degree. But I get this degree. candy yeah. allotment on X type of basis along with a set of Lush products and a new dog um, every 10 years. I also learned that I um, I would do pretty much anything for candy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, would, I would probably marry a candy factory owner in a heartbeat. Like, where do I sign No matter up? what. Any any candy factory owner listeners out there, <laughs> let me know. Hit me up. Yeah. Whitney's locatable on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, any part of the candy making process, too. Like, if you just make candy wrappers, but you've got an in with the candy makers. Yeah, the prenuptial agreement would be a little bit different than... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Candy marketers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure they get samples regularly. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. There's a whole candy business out there for you to marry into. I like it. <laughs> Just not the guy I went to college with. No. <laughs> that's a hard no. Yeah. Go after the older ones. Yeah. Look them up. Get their DNA. Make sure that it's entered into CODIS. And then own the DNA company. Dating yeah. me is not a complicated process, as, as you can All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. 
If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. <laughs>